0: I was an engineer, and in 2008, lost my job due to the economic collapse. Jobs were scarce. I didn't know where to turn to get help updating my resume. Online services and coaches charge hundreds, even thousands of dollars. I took matters into my own hands and learned how to craft interview-winning resumes. Shortly later, I landed a job with a Fortune 500 company. I have helped many achieve similar success. Now I share my tips to create interview-winning resumes, interviewing excellence, and high-performance growth strategies on my podcast, Career Growth Made Easy. Hey there, it's Craig Ansell, and you're listening to another episode of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'm glad you can join us. For today's show, we're rolling into episode 128. When and how to approach your boss. Ta-da! Sounds a little mystical. I want to first welcome you to the show and thank you for your time. I know you have a lot of options when it comes to learning, getting educated, and finding something that can help you grow both personally and professionally. And I'm glad you've chosen this podcast. Let's get into our content. So with regards to the title, If you've ever needed to speak to your boss, you'll appreciate this episode. When I was earlier on in my career, I was sometimes co-located near my manager. That usually meant I was within earshot. I could hear some of the open-door conversations and sometimes parts of phone calls with customers. When I needed a question answered or maybe some information from them, I didn't always pick the right times to approach them. I was simply looking for an opening to get my question answered or to get guidance on a topic. I don't know if you can relate. At a prior company, one of our members in senior leadership was known to rule with an iron fist. He got that name because when things didn't go well, he would slam his clenched fist down on the desk. It made a resounding thud and you knew something didn't go well. Many times after that happened, no, well, it was usually after a phone call or when he completed a meeting. To me, that noise signaled that he was available for my question or discussion. You see, I subliminally knew what he was going through. He finished his conversation, he finished his meeting, and the fist kind of signaled the closure. I didn't realize what was going on at the time. So looking back, I may not have always gone to see him at the right time. You see, just because someone is available doesn't mean they are approachable. That's our lesson for today, number one. Just because someone's available doesn't mean they're approachable. Sure, they're available, meaning that they're not on a call or in a virtual meeting. But what's their mindset like? That's the true question. Also, what events just happened? And where are their thoughts, or better yet, where are their emotions at the moment that you're preparing to go speak to them? You see, over the years, I've learned a lot, and I continue to do so as I interact with career growth coaching students, business owners, and even those responsible for hiring decisions. In fact, as part of my current learning, I'm wrapping up a book called The Like Switch. It's by an ex-FBI agent, Jack Schaefer. The book has a subtitle, and it states, A Guide to Influencing, Attracting, and Winning People Over. As I read it, it made me recall and perhaps question some of my early career decisions, something as simple as when I would set up meetings with leadership or when I would approach management team members. As I said earlier, available does not equal approachable. Available does not mean ideal time to address someone, and available does not mean it's an advantageous time. Just because someone's available doesn't mean you should approach them. Now, I have a story, a cubicle story, an office story based around cubicle structures. In another company that I worked at, I had a manager that was a few cubicles down from me, Our cubicles, to paint the picture, were about five feet tall or so, so if you stood up, most of the time you could see a few heads bobbing around, knowing when people were available. But they did help cut down on the noise if you were seated at your desk, but standing, they didn't really do a great job, especially if you took a standing phone call. Well... In this particular instance, I needed to contact with my manager because I either had a question or a status that I wanted to bounce some ideas off of, kind of the next steps. As I waited, he was still on his call, and maybe subconsciously I knew the time was approaching noon or lunchtime. He finally got off the call, and somehow I knew it was a heated call because I heard like that similar iron fist noise, I heard the phone slam down. That triggered me, though, to pop up and spring into action and approach him. Not only was this the wrong time emotionally, it was also the wrong time of day. Besides the phone call tension, he was also getting up to go to a lunch meeting. I prided myself on being concise, so I would help with the time crunch. But even so, his response, being rushed, was not what I expected. He left in a huff, and he was gone for quite a bit of the afternoon. I think I was left more confused than feeling like I was given guidance, at least at that point in the afternoon. Part of today's discussion is to cause you to pause, to stop and think before you approach someone, whether it's in a personal or professional relationship. It might be in a formal business setting with offices and doors. It may be in a cubicle-based environment, or it could be in an open work concept. It doesn't really matter. Each of us has our own unique set of personalities, and with that, emotions, behavioral aspects, and attributes. Also, environments play a role in some of our behavior. Physical environments could be recent events such as traffic, weather, delays due to accidents. These are all things that contribute to our emotions. Some of us handle these things better than others. Then there's meetings, deadlines, concerned about our own performance, because ultimately we all report to someone. And then if we're in management or leadership, we have subordinates. We have to be concerned about the people that work for us, the people that we lead and we're responsible for. I would say my point here is that There are just so many factors that go into human communication that before we get into some specifics for today's show, I just wanted to remind you that just because someone is there, physically approachable and available, it doesn't always mean it's the right time. Now, we don't always know what's going on in our colleagues' lives, let alone their personal lives, and some of that really isn't our business. It all depends, I guess, on the relationship that you have with your manager or supervisor. However, there can be better times than others when you approach someone in leadership, someone in management. So thinking about this and going back, at least in my personal stories, which I find are ways to relay information to you, my listener, and maybe it'll help you if something you've been through, you might want to play in your mind and look at ways to improve going forward, or when you have that next conversation coming up think twice. Maybe just put a little note card down with just a few bullets. Going to speak to someone important, someone in leadership, just a few checks right? a few check marks to get off and make sure that you have that ready. So let's see. First is the physical environment. You can't necessarily control that, no, but if you're near your supervisor or manager, which is pretty common if you've done RTO, return to the office, then you can kind of judge what's going on in the environment Around you. That same environment will likely be impacting or affecting your leadership that same way. Let's see what else. Well, have they recently had a phone call or come out of a meeting? What demeanor, what mood are they in? Was there a good temperament with that meeting? Are they talking positively about it? Or are they kind of rustling around at their desk and seeming a little agitated or irritated? If you know your supervisor or manager for quite some time, you'll be able to start picking up on subliminal clues if they're seemingly calm and settled at their desk, or if they seem um, frazzled and upset. And, you know, not all of us have PhDs, right? We're not all doctors. We're not all teachers. But there are ways that we can learn from human behavior just by observing, In fact, there's a couple books out there that I've read before, and I think it's one of them's called The Noticer, another one might be called The Watcher, if I remember correctly. No, those aren't creepy books and creepy authors. It's just books that are written about people that love watching and observing other people's behavior. Sometimes the authors try to guess and envision what's going on in someone else's mind and someone else's life just from their outward behaviors. It's kind of like talking about that uh, ex-FBI negotiator and um, interrogator book that I mentioned earlier. They try to get into people's minds and their lives by observing and working off of external clues. Sometimes those clues are verbal clues. It can be what is said. It can be word choice. Also, I like to mention that it's not only the words that you choose to use but the words you choose not to speak. I think that can be pretty powerful also. Not only your word choice, but those words or data points you intentionally decide not to share because oversharing as well as the proper word choice can be critical for certain conversations. Now, so far I've talked a lot about the when, when to approach your leader, your supervisor, your manager. And I talked about some of the impacts from the environment that can affect both you and them when it comes to having a positive outcome conversation, meaning getting your answers to your questions, getting them answered effectively to your liking, but also getting information that you needed when you sought their information, their feedback, their experience. But we really didn't talk too much about the how part, right? We talked about the when. And the how approach comes down, as I was briefly mentioning earlier, about word choice. It also comes down to knowing what your discussion is going to be about. Don't just bring someone in leadership a problem. All right. It's like bring me a rock and they bring you a rock. Instead, think about this. When you have a problem and you need supervision or leadership support, think of one, at least one, if not two or three, potential solutions. It doesn't mean you have to implement those solutions or even know how to implement them. No. But rather, it's a problem that you recognized or that's a problem that was given to you and that you need to solve. You're not certain. Your gut doesn't tell you this is the right way to go. Pick option number two, Right. Instead, you want to bounce it off someone, perhaps a peer, or in this case, going to supervision or management. But in doing so, it's definitely going to lead to a better conversation when you approach them with, hey, Mr. Manager, do you have a few moments? Sure. I have a problem with regards to Project X, and I'm considering a couple solutions. I'd like to run them by you to see what you think of them, if you think one of those is best, or if you have another opinion or idea. I think that would definitely settle the tone to a good uh, vantage point rather than going in and saying, hey there, I got this problem, and just leave it there. To me, that second part shows that you haven't thought through what potential options or solutions could be, and also you kind of, in a way, emotionally drop a bomb on the other person. I've got this problem. It's different when you let them know a status, you make a statement about something, but When you say, I've got this problem and don't know what to do, now you've informed them. You haven't thought through potential solutions or potential recovery steps. Now, each of us in our own roles is not always going to have that opportunity or the ability to think through solutions. If you're in an emergency type situation and you need help, you do want to inform others immediately. And some of those other people in leadership or management will make decisions with you and for you. That's their role. And I understand that. But if you're in office-type environments, and it's not a true 911 emergency where someone is injured or hurt, then you can kind of take a step back and decide how to go about solving the problem. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but again, it's not about just bringing a problem or an issue to a manager, but it's also about bringing potential solutions. Being prepared to at least have that discussion will help when they potentially challenge you to say, I don't know, Craig, what do you think we should do? So it'll always be good to have one or more potential solutions at hand. Also, when it comes down to the how, eye contact, if you're comfortable making strong eye contact, is important. It shows that you're confident, that you're prepared, and that you're focused to have this discussion. Coming in, looking down at your shoes, looking down at the floor, or gazing away from the person you're speaking to isn't always a way to start off a strong conversation. And also, if it's an important topic for you, such that you need information or you have a problem or question that needs answered, you want them to know that you're looking at them for the solution instead of kind of having your eyes wander around the room and you're not really focused. How about your confidence when you approach someone in leadership? Are your shoulders rolled forward and you kind of slumped over, or are you able to stand up straight, pull your shoulders back a little bit, a little bit more upright? These subliminal things, our posture, can tell others a lot about us. Again, if you're bringing a problem, bring a solution. Do you come running forward, leaning in, kind of like your hair is on fire and the world's going to end, or do you approach them slow, methodically, stating that an issue a concern happened, and you're considering forms of action. So what else about the how? Well, the how part also is about listening after you speak. I like to reference God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we try to listen twice as much as we speak. Many times when we're just excited to be able to speak to our supervisor or manager because their time slot is available, it doesn't mean it's the best time. But when we do approach them, we are taking part of their time away from their day. So let's be courteous the next time we approach our supervisor or manager. Let's state our question or our situation and listen respectfully for their feedback. I have a prior episode, and I'll dig it up right before we close the show, and I'll also put some show notes in the links, or links in the show notes, rather, reverse that. But it was called Craig's Three P's and it stands for Powerfully Placed Pauses. You can learn to use powerfully placed pauses in a number of conversation and negotiation techniques that will really help you gain valuable insight into conversations. So again, I'll find that show, but it's Craig's Three P's, My Powerfully Placed Pauses, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But as we start to close, when and how to approach your boss, think about your demeanor the message you're sending, are you rushed and hurried as you approach your manager or your supervisor, or do you have a clear, concise, well-connected, well-constructed story that you can tell, even if ever so brief, just to get their attention and point across, and you clearly state what you need from them, whether it's information or guidance on next steps, or in some cases, you may have to tell them, this event just occurred and I haven't had time to form a solution yet. In talking that way, it's better than saying, I don't know, or I didn't have a plan. Those two last answers, while true, don't set you in the best limelight, in the best placement, right? The event just occurred, I'm still processing potential solutions. Learn to speak with whatever way you're comfortable. You may not use my word choice, but just think about the words you choose to use and think about those that you choose to not share. That really, along with when knowing when to approach your boss, is also the how part as we close today's episode. I hope today's episode 128, When and How to Approach Your Boss, was helpful by sharing some of my life lessons and real world examples with you. We're always here on social media, at Craig Ansell, C-R-A-I-G-A-N-C-E-L, or you can visit my website, CraigAnsel.com. We have one-on-one virtual coaching appointments, my resume masterclass, and cover letter masterclass, which are both available online, and you take at your own pace. If you don't know where your resume is, you don't know how old it is, or you need to get ready for your next potential job interview... You want to make sure your resume is as up-to-date as possible. If your resume is generic, meaning you just keep firing off copy after copy, email after email to various um, hiring companies, you're not representing yourself in the best light. In fact, you're doing yourself a disservice. You need to know how to connect with those companies and the people that work there. Why is that important? I'll tell you why. You can either work from a pay rate offer, or a pay range offer. Ooh. Sometimes when people go through interviews and there is the outcome at the end is success, you get a job offer. Sometimes it's a physical, discrete number. $15 an hour, $30,000 a year, what have you. Sometimes we forget to negotiate at the end. Now, your negotiating power is weakened if you're using a generic resume. Companies have started thinking about your value and your worth from the first minute they heard of you, which is probably the job application and or your resume and cover letter. So do yourself a strong service. Stand up for yourself and make sure you update your resume to today's standards, hiring standards and trends to give you a greater opportunity and chance to be hired. But also when you get that interview and you're negotiating your pay, As well as, by the way, leaving your cell phone on silent or not taking it with you during the interview so it doesn't interrupt you like it just did me, and I apologize for that. When you're negotiating your pay, make sure you are seen in the best light possible, from your job application, to your resume, to your cover letter, and finally, the interview. I am Craig Ansell, your host. This has been the Career Growth Made Easy podcast, closing episode 128, When and How to Approach Your Boss.